you get to the top of the levee and you can kind of actually see out on the town from the back side, you know, you see all the old buildings. Uh, some of them still have like faded white paint on what they used to be 30, 40 years ago. And to me, my internal motivation was to be like, all right, we're going on TV and we're going to, we're going to win. And we're going to win for this town because I want to show people that you can do something successful here in town. Welcome to the Glock and Doc Audio Encounter. This is your new DJ, Joe Glockner, Jambox Show, here with Dale King, Tim Glockner, and Mike Glockner for episode 008. The Joe. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Sadie is resigned officially. She's had enough. Uh, no, she, unfortunately, she couldn't be here with us. So we, uh, we called in the big guns, Jambox Joe, to get behind the board. And hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> Best episode yet already. <laughs> Win. So today we're gonna. This is part two of the of the Q and A series. Uh, we're gonna finish it off um, today. So Butch is gonna hit us up with some some questions. We're gonna kick them around the table and uh, and hopefully you guys can can find some value in them. You but, ready? When I'm looking at you, <laughs> that means that read. Means go. Oh, <laughs> uh, so the the next question um, is, let's see, which one do we want to use? How did how did you go about starting the gym, and then along with that? Um, how did you go about starting the Glockner Go um, class for Glockners and and our people? So the gym, I got out of the army in 2007. Uh, a couple guys got me into CrossFit at that time, and it, CrossFit in 07 was was uh, just starting off the ground. It was basically you had to go to CrossFit.com. And they posted the workout of the day, and there were some videos, and you were you were off to your own. There was only one affiliate in Ohio at the time. That was a little place called Rogue Fitness in Gahanna. Um, so I returned home, and I, I knew I still wanted to do that. So they had free Saturday workouts. So every now and then, on a Saturday, I'd drive up to, to Columbus. met a guy named Bill. And he was the owner, the head trainer there, and I really liked him. And he would also, you did, there was nowhere else, especially in Portsmouth, let alone in Ohio, where you could learn about kettlebells, where you could learn about Olympic lifting, all that stuff. So he would train me on the side uh, a couple days of the week. Ended up buying my own kettlebells, and I would take them into the Life Center. And the Life Center would not let me keep them there, so every day... I had to carry my kettlebells in, work out, carry my kettlebells out. 
a lady saw me like I just had a little corner in the in the life center and it was the most like it looked like a vanilla gorilla just swaying <laughs> his ass off grunting and groaning throwing some kettlebells around a lady approached me and was basically like hey I don't know what you're doing but uh, I'm gonna open up my own gym and is there any way like you could teach people how to do this stuff this was 2009 so I thought, sure, you know, I get free membership, might as well. Um, plus, I won't have to carry my kettlebells in and out <laughs> every day. Um, that place turned into 24-hour fitness, so I went to a kettlebell class in Lexington. Um, got certified, and then January 2010, started teaching kettlebell classes. We had three to five people who would show up uh, two or three days a week. Uh, six months later, we had so many people we were growing out of the room and had to do all our classes outside. One of the guys was like, hey, I got a abandoned warehouse um, off of 10th Street that my buddy owns. I think uh, I think you could go rent it out. So, I remember walking in there and looking just like at a maybe one of the first gauntlets and like, man, there is no way that I could do this. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it, it's it was so intense and it was so intimidating. But after the workout this morning, in walked Tia's mom yeah. <laughs> and several other, yeah. you know, and it was like it's so refreshing because there's such a difference in clientele from mm-hmm. the kids' class to you know your mom and yep. and Tia's mom and and they they yeah. have like it's it's. Really, cool. from like seven to seventy, it's the current range we have having the gym now. Um, but that—that's in a very short nutshell how it got started. So August of two thousand and ten is when we officially opened our own own doors. And um, knock on wood, we've been—we'll be coming up on seven years. Shoot, awesome. next month or tomorrow, I guess is August. So, but that's—that's that's how the gym got started. So Tim, tell us how um, you went about partnering with Dale to start the Glockner Go um, at the gym. I think I had been—I had joined the gym and been working out for several months, and never thought of myself as being out of shape because I, I don't gain weight, but I was obviously uh, more out of shape than I thought. And the better I felt, the more I worked out, the better I felt, and I. And we were coming up on this idea of uh, a weight loss challenge at work. Um, so there was going to be a goal, a corporate goal, with the corporate wellness program, but no real vehicle to get us to that goal. So got with Dale and talked about uh, corporate discount, getting people to join a gym, hopefully his gym. And uh, I guess the rest is history, but... And I don't know how many people from our enterprise have, have joined, maybe a dozen or something like that. Um, but we start, Dale started a uh, closed Facebook page, and even for people that didn't join the gym, he encouraged uh, folks to get, get in shape and, and lose weight and take control of their life. And it's really helped um, change our, our culture, I think, for the better. It certainly has. I think there were three or four um, people from Glockner's this morning at 5:30 getting in and getting mm-hmm. after it, so it's yeah. it's cool. So 
yeah. can get up and run with them, work out with them, and then go to work with them. So, so um, moving on, how have you influenced the community thus far outside of, of the gym? Um, and Doc Spartan is the question, but even Tim for you for you know Glockners and and what else ties into those? So, how have you influenced your community thus far outside of the gym and Doc Spartan for Dale? Glockner's with you, and what else ties into that? Well, um, we have our businesses, and they're not necessarily, we don't think of, okay, what am I going to do, what am I going to do today to influence the community? So, I think just by running a successful, for us, it's an easy answer because we were fortunate enough to go on Shark Tank, and that kind of highlighted um, highlighted our area. And more importantly, like, when that decision came down that, like, oh, shit, like, uh, you're getting on a plane and going to California, um, actually way before that, it was, okay, why are we going to do this? And so every morning I'd get up and I'd run the levee and eat to show veterans when they get out that they are the most equipped and trained people to become entrepreneurs and either if they don't want to run their own business, to be a part of a very successful business based upon the skills that they've developed. That's A. And B, like I've said, is to show younger kids, college kids, hell, even adults, that you know, that stop making excuses on why you can't do something here in a small town. Like, start looking for ways that you can. Like, if my, if, uh, if my dumbass can sell first aid ointment, can, can figure out a way to make and sell first aid ointment and all natural deodorants trust me you can you can do something too so that's that's kind of where where we're coming from so six months later like about six months later Mm -hmm. like what's what's changed like how's the the flow because i i follow you on instagram and facebook and see like there's you just came out with another line of ranger panties right so it's it keeps expanding so what else has changed you know six months after that initial big surplus of orders and everything. So, you know, leading into it, you know, there was a whole preparation phase. And I think probably one future podcast, like we'll do a whole podcast on what it took from um, from the getting the initial email from Shark Tank all the way through. But to answer your question is when it first happened, the goal was to um, be successful as possible and exploit every opportunity and not miss anything, not miss any potential sales from the show. So uh, I think we did. I think we did a good job about that. Now we're in phase two, let's say. And phase two is I don't want to be Uncle Rico. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is. We're actually calling phase two Uncle Rico. Oh. So if you guys are not familiar with Uncle Rico, he's a character off of uh, Napoleon Dynamite, and all he does is talk about his accomplishments in high school football. Yeah. Okay. I can throw a football. Yeah. That I, can throw, I can throw a football quarter mile. Okay. Well, I don't want to talk about, well, when I was on shark tank or when shark tank happened, it was awesome. When shark tank, like I don't even want to say shark tank. Okay. Um, I want to, I want to use the shark tank as a platform mm-hmm. to now mm-hmm. launch all kinds of other, either products or endeavors from that. So, like, to me, like, I'm probably even more 
consumed than I was because I know, hey, season the next season of Shark Tank comes out next in September, and by then we're done. Like t- you know, all glory is fleeting. You know what I'm saying? So um, now I just wanted to use that. Yeah, we were on Shark Tank, but from that, here's all the stuff we're doing now. We're uh, we're trying to get uh, the biggest thing is have different products, and then. Um, you know, down the road, kind of land a, a retail retail contract. So awesome, awesome. Um, so after listening to some of your podcasts, what specific tips, books, and focuses would you recommend? So you guys, you guys have talked about extreme. I've heard you guys both talk about extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. I've uh, heard you talk about um, a few other things, and you guys just got back from the. Um, help me remember the 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 monster. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what books maybe, or what tips? And I know you guys went into that, but just maybe certain things that are like still on the top of your mind from that, or that you've learned. Well, <clears throat> well, I'm I'm in the middle of the uh, extreme ownership book, which I highly recommend, and we've recommended also if if you can afford it and. To invest the time to get away, go to a conference, go get better at whatever you do. Um, read a book recently um, called The Go-Giver, and I highly recommend that book. Um, um, I think from <clears throat> from a book standpoint, um, depending on where you're at <clears throat> in your journey, different books are going to impact you. Mm-hmm. Um, if, we're, if we're talking about because I get a lot of questions, thankfully, from folks who either just started their business or they want to start their business. Right. Um, so one book that really impacted my life is a book called The Dream Year. And I, it impacted me so much I can't remember the name of the author. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can, you can Google The Dream Year. And basically The Dream Year is all about somebody who is working a full-time job and how to, and within a year's time frame, how do you get to open up your own place? So that's, you know, hence the name, the Dream Year. And actually, like, it gives you very overarching concepts, and then it gives you tactical applications on stuff you can start doing to get yourself there. So um, I would definitely recommend reading the Dream Year, applying that. Like, that's my number one recommended book for for folks who are trying to awesome. to get out and do their own thing. Um, it's funny you just asked this question. My sister and I were talking over the weekend, and um, podcasting, you know, we are the fastest growing podcast in Southern Ohio <laughs> because we're the only podcast in Southern Ohio. But um, a lot of people really think podcasting is, you know, it, there's a lot of potential um, for the future of podcasting. So, what you need to do is, whether it's on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, is whatever your industry is or whatever industry you want to go to, I guarantee you there's at least 10 different podcasts out there right now solely dedicated for that. I mean, within the CrossFit space alone, uh, I'm, right now I'm scrolling through my, my favorites podcast, but within the, in the CrossFit gym space, there's at least four national podcasts dedicated to CrossFit gym owners. Wow. Which is a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. So, like, I'm sure there's um, car dealerships, auto dealerships, but the 
the overall ones I would recommend just for business owners, for entrepreneurs would be, you know, I'm scrolling through it right now. Uh, the Gary V audio experience. That'd be a good one to listen to. Um, the next one would be Jocko podcast, of course. Um, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is a great one. Um, uh, one I really like is the Entree Leadership Podcast. That's uh, that's by Dave Ramsey's organization. They've got really good ones. Um, and there's a really good one called Shopify Masters. Shopify is an e-commerce platform. So what they do is they have some of their top-selling businesses come on there and, and talk about talk about lessons learned. So, um, like for me, when I'm in a shower, when I'm in my car, it's a podcast going at all times. So even if you just have a 10 minute drive, you know, 20 minutes a day, you got, you got time to, to listen to something that, that'll give you, give you all kinds of good ideas. Awesome. Awesome. So switching gears, um, the next question is consider the choice between entrepreneurial risk and working for another, including defined successes and opportunity costs. So you guys are both entrepreneurs, right? You started your own business. Tim, you continue to, to push our business to the next level. So explain the difference or, or the choice that somebody has to make as opposed to starting their own business or coming to work for Dale or coming to work for you? I think the, the guy that asked that question, um, I'm sure he's asked himself this question a hundred times in his career. And he, he chose to be a worker and go work for someone else and was has been highly compensated. And he could have taken the risk. And, of course, with, with risk can be great reward, but there's also great risk. And um, he, he chose to work for, for someone else. I don't know. That's a tough question. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not with him this morning. <laughs> Sorry. So um, when I took the leap, so I, I was a, a GS-13 employee. Um, there's only 15 stages in government services. Um, my boss lived in Tennessee. I was here in Ohio and traveled all over the world to, or, well, all over the place to do different things. So I I essentially didn't have to report to anybody and really like I almost didn't even have to go in the office half the time. Um, But I still, when I was debating on whether or not to get out of the game, it was, all right, if I'm on my deathbed, well, I have wondered what if. That was my overall theme is like if I... Should I, can I do a? Can I do this? Is it a good idea? Um, if I don't do it, will I regret the fact that I never tried to strike out on my own? So that's what you need to ask yourself overall, and and that's a, it's a it's a valid question. Like not everybody can go start their own business. Not everybody should start their own business, um, but you have to ask yourself. What I do, what am I doing right now? Is that satisfying? Is that fulfilling? Do I do I feel as if I'm really serving a mission in life? And that's completely fine. Like 
uh, some of my buddies bust my balls all the time. Like, well, yeah, dude, easy for you to say. Like, I can't just go, I'm a, I'm a teacher or I'm a healthcare administrator or like, I just can't go open up a school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a very valid question. I think from some, from the other standpoint is just because you work, quote unquote, work for somebody doesn't mean you can't think of yourself as a business owner. So I can, I, I see it from both ways. So for example, um, if I worked for somebody else, A, I'm not going to work for somebody else unless I respect them and I, and I feel as if I'm a valued member of the team. So that's what you really got to ask yourself first. And guess whose responsibility is? It's that business owner's responsibility mm-hmm. to make you feel not as an employee, but as somebody that's critically important to the mission of the team. Okay. Now, if you are really entrepreneurial, what can you do within your own company to where you're still underneath the umbrella, but you're doing your own thing? So, um, you know, it's an easy example of somebody in the car, somebody that worked for Glockner's, and not, let's just say you guys didn't have this, but like, hey, I really feel as if there's an opportunity in the oil business. In the, in the consumer business oil business. Mm-hmm. So what I would do in that case is approach you guys with, hey, here's, here's what I think that, here's what I think we can do. Here's the, here's what I think all the money is we can make from it. Um, if you're willing to foot the bill, we can do some short, and this is my project, it's, it's on me if it fails or succeeds, and you work out some sort of profit sharing um, uh, cost, split cost from right. that. That would be my number one piece. What if if you if it's not in your point in time in life to, you know, it may not be an opportunity for you to branch out. On Use your their own. capital. Use their capital. Yeah. So that was the next question, and and along with that, like we in our business, at least on like the sales side, we always say you're running your own business with within our business. We provide you with a with a roof with with <clears throat> the capital with the inventory with support with businesses with lenders that will that you can you know get those vehicles financed so to us it's almost like you are starting your business inside of our business and whatever you want to do you can do and i'm i'm thinking of a few of our salespeople that go live that do you know things posts on facebook that show hey look at this all new chevy camaro that whatever it is that's how they can run their business mm-hmm. within a business. So the question was um, just curious of how much capital I might need. And I think that that's, that's depending on your business, mm-hmm. it's hard telling. So Yeah, and, and we do the same <laughs> thing with, with our coaches and personal trainers. Like I, the business has already purchased the building, purchased the equipment, the whole deal. Um, we just need you. You can go in and make it happen. But there has to be some sort of profit sharing involved. And I don't tell you what to do. I don't tell you how to get clients. I don't tell you how to coach your clients. I don't tell you how to do any of that. But, you know, it's even set up. They're their own LLCs. Um, you know, they just pay us. Pay, pay, they pay the house a, a rental, essentially, to use the time and use the equipment. Um, so my goal is to have the best trainers, have the happiest trainers, 
to where, because they could very easily go and open up a, a new place and take their clients with them. Um, so, as why, a, why do you think they don't do that? Because that, that's the question we started with. I mean, if, if they've they've got this infrastructure with you, and and it's it's known, people can walk in the gym; they know what it is. They develop these relationships, and then sky's the limit. They they build their own clientele, and they don't have to put any of the investment. You've already made the initial investment. I I would like to feel I. It's hard to answer that question, but I would like to feel, I, I would hope they would say, mm-hmm. um, because they feel that place is theirs. Like there's not, they like, they've taken ownership. They've taken ownership of it. And I've given them ownership of, of the place. And they, they've all, the majority of them have been there since the old warehouse days. And mm-hmm. it, it helped, you know, without them, the place would not be anywhere as successful as it is. So I think it, you, you have to be, it really has to be a team-based environment. Every team has a coach. Every team has a captain. But everybody's got to feel equally invested in the success of the venture to get there. Uh, and even like startups, I was somebody was talking about angel investing, and this guy was really smart. And uh, it may have been Marcus Limonis. I can't remember, but. Basically, he says that on every venture that he goes into, if there's been employed, like in any startup, there's really only two or three employees usually on the ground floor. Right. Um, even <laughs> if a guy is 100% owner, you're going to have two or three guys that have been there since day one. And what he he goes is he will, he will not provide equity or he won't ownership of a company unless there's 10 to 15% equity set aside for the ground floor employees hmm. that have been there since day one. So, you know, if he comes in and he says, all right, I'll give you $100,000 for 50% of your company. I'm taking 50% as the investor. You're only going to get 40 because you need to set aside 10% for those employees who've been there from the beginning. And I, and I really, I really like that um, because, you know, resentment can set in. And, you know, if, if you're not getting a check based upon the performance of the company, you don't feel a part of the company. Right. Um, and I think, you know, back in our parents' days, and especially in our grandparents' days, the old way of corporate business is done. Like, you got the, the owner, the general managers, and then the, the factory workers who are there to, to crank out widgets. Like, those, that, that model of doing business is over. And it should be over because if you're – if you're giving your your sweat, your heart, your uh, bleeding for this company, you should have some sort of investment in there, whether it's profit sharing or equity or or whatever. So, I would, uh, I know this is probably where your dad's like having to rewind right now, but <laughs> now you're on it. Now you're on it. Um, you, ha- you just have to be able to find a way to make them feel a part of the team, and some people. Will- <clears throat> Some people, no matter what you do, they're not they're not a team player. That's the other. That, that's the no, other. There's, there's plenty of people that just want to come in, do their work, get paid, go home, have no aggravation, leave it at work, and yeah. go home. And that's okay. Like it comes down to what what's your priority in life. And there's like if you if you're happy getting done at five o'clock so you can go home and spend time with your family, good for you. 
if that's what really satisfies you, and, and if you if you're going to be that the the little league coach who like, dude, I'm just I'm I'm going to give you eight good hours, but don't mm-hmm. don't you dare don't call me at five oh one, right? Because what makes me happy is now after the five o'clock. Sure. So your job is is a, a mechanism to provide me the means for what I need to do after work. There's the work life balance, yeah. and and that's completely cool. But what I was talking about is like some people just are not going to want to be on your team. They're always going to feel they can do it better or they can strike it on their own or, or whatever. And, you know, that's a part of it too. So on that, um, how do you feel when somebody that you've trained so hard and sunk so much of your blood, sweat, and tears into leaves your company? Well, it uh, you know, the initial reaction is it sucks, I think, because you don't want to see anybody leave. Um, but... You know, it goes back to one of my mentors. He, one of his things is like, when somebody leaves, it's your job to make sure they were the best trained underneath you to go do whatever. Um, so it gets kind of dicey because if you kind of have this teamwork mentality or this like everybody has equal ownership, you can't pull back your cards. Like when we when we do staff meetings, like everyone sees the P and L, everyone sees how much money came in, everyone sees how much went out. That's everybody on the staff. Like, and not a lot of companies do that. Um, but you know, I, I I'm a complete open book with everybody on the staff, so they see what it's like. Transparent. I think transparency is good because it does allow people to you know to see that. Their job is secure, but I think in on the flip side, they might see it as negative as well. Mm-hmm. That, well, if you're making this, why am I not making more? So how do you handle a situation like that, that, you know, the success of your business is laid out in front of them mm-hmm. and you've made X. Right. And they hit you with. Well, it, it comes down to explaining what the goals are of the organization. So, you can't get a bonus until the company has met X goals of profitability. Good. Whether that's like, you know, for, it, for a gym base, you want to be at around 33% profit margin. So, bro, we're not, even, we're not even talking bonuses unless the gym's at 33% profit margin. And like, you just, it goes back to like explaining all right, here's your hour. Here's what you're going to get paid an hour. Yep. So, and we just talked about this. So, I'm going to go off on a complete numbers rant here, but from a geeky side of the gym. But we have to know what the average monthly membership is for our members. And we have over 200 of them. And because we've grandfathered people in over the course of hell, and that's seven years. Um, obviously if you were with us in 2010 and you've stayed with us on auto pay, we won't increase your rates because we feel that, you know, you were loyal to us then. Um, we need to be loyal with you throughout. It's interesting. It's not the best business practice, <laughs> but, um, uh, it's something, but we it did. does breed loyalty. Right. I mean, those people that, yeah, they have stayed with you. I, I don't, I don't know that that's. So we have, we have, we have folks at different rates. So basically we kind of figured out. People are paying around $75 a month on average. The time you average everyone out. Because we do corporate discounts and we do family discounts and stuff like that. So, 
then you have to figure out what, how many times does does that average person come a month? The you know, best we can figure, they come out about fourteen times a month. You know, that's right or just a little over three times a week. So, by the time you average that out, they're basically paying four to five dollars a visit to come to the gym, which is what you charged in the beginning, which right? Which is what we charged in the beginning, and it's way less than the cost of a, a happy meal or whatever. Okay, now if you come even more, then that drops. Even less, so we have to look at it like okay, and we we pay we pay our uh, coaches a certain rate. I, I would say it, but I don't want them yeah. right now. But so we pay them a certain rate. So based upon that, we know there needs to be if the average person is cost five bucks. That's what they're essentially paying per visit. And I look out on the floor. I know for that class to be profitable to pay you, there's got to be. X amount of people. There's got to be up. X amount of people in that class. So we look at we look at that same thing, and again, I'm on the service and parts side. So I look at how many customers are coming in every single day to our service facilities, and not even that because the the services that we provide are are different. You know, you can come in for an oil change, and it's thirty bucks. But you can come in for a recall that might be a three-hour. So it's like breaking those things down, and I think it's it's wise in, in looking at your business in that way. This morning at 5.30, there were more people in today's class than what have been at the noon class. And the noon class is one of your busiest right. classes, right? The mm-hmm. nooner. Yeah. So it's it's good. Is it? Do they? Do you think that they follow a certain coach? Well, that that so, right now we pay our coaches a flat rate, which I don't necessarily like. So it goes into ownership. Yes. Okay, I think that was how we got. Yeah. How I got off on this, how on this rant. So, you know, well, it doesn't make sense if only four people are coming, that you're getting paid the same amount that somebody has to deal with a twenty-person class. Because the demands are completely different. Yes. Um, so and it and you have to take out all the side uh, things side like schedule availability. Some people are going to come to five thirty p.m. No because matter that's, what, that's because the that's only, only class that's they the only can time come they could come. Um, and I understand that. Well, right now, I think the reason people are dropping out of the noon classes is because it's a hundred degrees. Or it's why it's 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 seasonal. Yeah. Uh, Winter's going to be different than summer. Teachers being stuff like that. So but also just, that 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 noon class too. You got to think about it. it's an hour workout. You get an hour for lunch. Well, by the time you leave work, fifteen minutes early, you get there hour mm-hmm. hour class, fifteen minutes to just cool down to stop sweating right. and then take a shower. So it's like a two, and that's one of the reasons I I think the five thirty class makes more sense to me because I can I can come in workout. I can be to work before mm-hmm. I would normally be, and and then I've got that extra time to you know to spend at work. But also, I feel a hell of a lot better right. getting it done in the morning. Yeah. So if we so we look at that, and yeah, some people if if none of the external factors are concerned, some people just like certain coaches. Yeah, and it's part of like you certain like people I like my football coach and, better than my basketball coach yeah. or what? I mean, that's a part of it. Certain people like my personality doesn't fit everybody 
Hammer's personality doesn't fit everybody. Like, you're just going to have that. Um, so we need to find a way to be like, okay, I'm going to pay you based upon the amount of people that are coming to your class. It shows a heck of a, you know, it shows the following too, like you were saying. Like, it, it, it and then so that's the ownership part that the coaches have to take. Like, I mean, Sadie's is an awesome coach, all the coaches are great. Um, Sadie's a lot different than Hammer, than Kendra, mm-hmm. than Perry, than Zach, than Mo, and that's the thing. All the coaches are different in their own mind, but it is who who you relate to the most. So we we go into it from you know there's there's only two and we've talked about this before. There's only two ways to to make money: it's either get more customers or increase the revenue from your current clients. That's it. And you guys deal with that too, like. Yeah. What's easier to to continually go find guys to buy cars? The most like, expensive that's a way. Freaking, most expensive way. Like that's a stressful drag. Yeah. Like to to customer acquisition is like that sucks. Like or is it easy? Like if, you know, I bought my truck. I'm going to come in. I'm going to get service. I'm going to go across the street. I'm going to get my insurance for it. And you know, not that you guys sell consumer gas, but if I needed to get gas, I'd much prefer. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but if you if you have that ownership, well, you can't get a uh, you can't increase your per class rate if there's not new clients to go in there. And we have a one hundred and one structure, so it's it's going to be better for you to like, hey, Butch, you know, I know you work with Jim and Bob. Here's a gold card. Here's a referral card. Get them to come into the one hundred and one course. Now it's in our case, it's on Monica's job to make sure they have the best one-on-one course they've ever had. So she makes more money based upon the people that come in. And then you, eventually, if those people can come to your noon class or your 430 class or whatever, like that's where you have to have, like it can't be like um, in car salesmen, I just have a bad, bad rap anyways. But like if all four of us are, are salesmen and like, we can't be foaming at the mouth to go get our like build our own kingdoms. Like we have to figure out a smart way to that we all that a rising tide is going to bring up all of our ships. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, no, where the hell is going with that? Andy's probably rewound like three. <laughs> well, to to wrap this thing up and to bring it full circle. So I'm reading a book called Traction right now, and one of the things it's talking about is. Uh, core values, and I think we've we've definitely defined them in this podcast and the one before. But if you could list three of your core values that have made you successful, what are they? Specifically for the gym, it's the number one. The number one thing is our goal is to make that the best hour of the members' day. When you come in for the 5.30 class or the 5.30 p.m. class, you can drop whatever else is going on in your life. You can be yourself. You can have fun. You can scream, cuss, groan, yell, get after it. No one's going to judge you. You don't have to worry about anything. It's going to be a supportive, encouraging, positive environment. That is our number one goal no matter what we do whether it's personal training or classes or whatever, when you come in, it is the single best hour of your day. Good. 
say service to others is uh, both serving our employees and serving our customers. If you can help them get what they want, you'll get what you want. Done. Good. Good. Very good. Jambox Joe, you want to take us out? We successfully uh, survived the podcast without Sadie. Not yet. It hasn't been uploaded. (laughs) (laughs) She's repairing a broken fingernail, but she'll be back next week. She's straightening her hair. That's why she had to go. She had to take a whole week off. Uh, I'm in so much trouble. Oh, she's going to edit that out. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate us, do all that crazy good stuff. Uh, we appreciate all you guys do for us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Make a little Spotlight to shine on me. What I got, I didn't get for free. I broke my back and skinned my.